together this morning. We have two baptisms coming up. It's going to be very exciting. We've got some other things along the way. We are very blessed to have Dr. Ray Andrews with us this weekend. And uh, you'll hear from him shortly. We're going to have a great time with him. So that'll be great. And of course, it's great to have you here. If you're visiting with us today, if this is your first or second time, welcome. Great to have you with us. And can I encourage you as you leave the building at the end of the service, if you just uh, go right, there's some tables there and there'll be someone there who can help you. And there's also some packs there where you can learn something about who we are as a church and where we're heading, which it'll be helpful information. I think there's chocolate in it too, which is always helpful. So I encourage you to do that. Can we please, church, welcome our guests this morning. Give them a great big hand. Great. Well, do we have any birthday celebrations this week? Any? Yes, I can see one. One reluctant one. Two reluctant ones. What about wedding anniversaries? wedding anniversaries? No. It's very quiet, isn't it? It's very quiet. Birthdays. Why don't you come down here and stand with me if you've had a birthday? Can I sneak through here, guys? Yeah, come and stand with me. Great. Happy birthday. Church, do you want to jump up on your feet and let's pray God's blessing over these incredibly special ones this year. Happy birthday this week. Okay. Let's go. Father, thank you for your family. We declare blessing, health, favour, prosperity and protection over them this year. Activate your love and goodness through each one. In Jesus' name, amen. Happy birthday. Wonderful. Ashley, are you going to go now or? We're going to stay for longer. Okay, that's great. That's excellent. Brilliant. The only, um, the only thing you really need to know about for this week is on Tuesday night, 7 to 9 p.m., we have a worship night in this room. So 7 to 9 p.m. Tuesday night. Love to see you here. The last one was absolutely outstanding. Just a great time without... Um, you know, we're not doing anything else but just coming together to worship. So uh, there's, there's not a lot time restraints on anything. We can just really enjoy being in the presence of God together. So I encourage you to come out on Tuesday night for that. would be really, really good. Well, Owen, would you like to lead us in a song? And then we are going to baptize a couple of people. So why don't you jump up on your feet? Let's praise Jesus. Good morning, church. How's everyone feeling? Put your hand in the air if you think God is awesome. Oh, there we go. See, there's the church alive. Come on, I declare that we are a church that's passionate about our worship of God. We're going to lift them up in this place this morning. Come on. You turn it all around. Where I was hurting, now I'm rejoicing. In your love I found. Morning into dancing, I can smile again. Cause I had joy. Whoa. 
Come on, church. Let the celebration begin. Make a joyful noise unto Him. Come on, everybody. Let's give Him praise. For He is good. Turn my sadness into gladness. You turn my sorrow into joy. And now I'm singing and I'm dancing. And now I'm shouting for joy. You turn my sadness into gladness. You turn my sorrow into joy. jumping in the water oh, I mean on the stage sorry on the stage my bad do you want to do this Pam early childhood you can give instructions Yeah, do, do whatever Pam says, okay? Mrs. Wilson, whatever Mrs. Wilson says. <laughs> so this morning we are baptizing Carla and Tracy. So that's great. Who should we go? Do you want to go first, Carla? Sing you're right there. That's great. Now, family and friends, come on out gather around these guys because we want to pray for them and encourage them particularly after they come out of the water so you don't need to stay in your seats hey we've got a picture that's awesome fantastic well I am you could do that Carla why do you want to be water baptised this morning I think for me it's about um, letting go of past my past and reconnecting with God in a more in-depth relationship. 
Fantastic. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> awesome. Carla has been married to Frederick just since December. And yeah. Yeah, you can just come and stand with your beautiful wife. And Tracy, why would you like to be water baptised this morning? Um, it's just about honouring God and yeah, just like having a little date with God and just having a special time with Him and saying that I'm His. Nice. Awesome. Fantastic. And Tracy's good man is here. Grant. Fantastic. Okay. Do you want to test out the water for us? happening there. How about just for something different, you stand up on your feet while we do this. I think it would be great and and it would be really good if we could all participate. Let's all pray, eh? That um, God really seals something. He does something really significant today in the waters of baptism. In Jesus' name. You want to pray? Church, let's pray. Father, we thank you for this sacred moment, this incredible moment, Lord, as we stand with Carol and her family, and Lord, as she enters these waters to go through with baptism, that Lord, she identifies your life with the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So Father, thank you for your presence. Thank you for this wonderful person created in the image of God to, Lord, shine the splendor, the grace, the glory of her maker. And Lord, as she goes through these waters, may your life overflow and fill every part of her being. In Jesus' name we pray. Yeah, uh, just before we do baptize you, I really, really feel to encourage you that, you know, baptism is a symbol of dying with Christ, being buried with Christ and coming up. And by faith, as we come up, we are a totally new creation in God. And I really sense to encourage you in that, that it's only going to be a second, but you know, just let go of whatever you need to let go of when you come up, new creation of God. Cool? Fantastic. So Father, I thank you for Carla, and on confession of her faith, we baptize her today in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.
family, why don't you come and gather around and pray? And if you've got a prophetic word, bring it. It'd be great. Tracy, why don't you come and we'll baptize you as well. How about you guys go just here and then I think Tracy just there and that'll work for us. Father, we thank you for this wonderful opportunity, Lord, to stand with Tracy as she goes through these waters of baptism. We thank you for the wonderful wife, the wonderful mother, Lord, the wonderful person as she is, and we thank you for the incredible journey that you have taken her on in her life. Father, we thank you that this is another step in the amazing journey that you have laid out before her. May she know as she goes through this journey that you are her Lord, the good shepherd that leads her and guides her, that, Lord, you draw her beside rivers of living water, that she might find rest and peace and hope. And, Father, as she goes through, Lord, the symbolism of your death, burial, and resurrection, we pray, as we did for Carla, that, Lord, the newness of your life would fill and overflow every part of her being. In Jesus' name. Father, thank you for Tracy. On the confession of your faith, we baptize her in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit.
family, why don't you come and gather around Tracy and let's pray. Owen, do you want to start to lead us in a song as we pray? And if the kids need to go, that'll be awesome. I think we're baptizing some more people tonight. That'll be great. But again, if you've got a word of encouragement or prophecy over either of these two women, why don't you come and, and bring that?
declares this morning, Lord, we were made to worship you, Lord. The cry of this house this morning, Lord, is that we worship you. 
we put you first as these people have displayed this morning, Lord. We, we baptize in your name, Lord. We declare you are first, Lord. We put you in your rightful place. We worship you, Lord. this morning. Covered, covered, covered by your grace. 
are covered by your grace. Whoa. Covered. Covered. We are covered by your grace. No matter what. No matter what I've done, no matter where I've been, no matter how I fall, you pick me up again. You have removed my shame. You take me as I am. You call me justified. Now I am covered by your grace. Why don't we just stand for a moment this morning and ponder His grace? Just for a moment. Thank you for your grace, Lord. I don't think we can get our heads around it, really, God. I certainly can't. But I thank you. Amen. Well, that was cool, eh? Why don't we give the ones who got baptized a massive big hand? always great seeing people take a step of obedience and what God's called them to do. You can grab a seat for a moment if you'd like. Um, we we want to do something really special this morning, and you, you may not know it. In fact, you probably don't. But in the last week, there has been significant change. Did you know? Significant change. Most of you missed it, didn't you? Because you arrived in the same car. I'm using raised words now. You arrived in the same car with the same wife or husband probably wearing the same clothes, but there was significant change and you just missed it completely. Probably because I didn't tell you. ATC is birthed out of our church. Vision College trained me. Instant, professional. Uh, Examples of corporately how we're touching not only our city, but the nation and the nations of the world. And for the last 11 years, Pastor Trevor Wilson has headed up ATC as CEO and he has done a fantastic job. I think he's done everything that the board asked and shareholders asked and more. And and I probably have a few more insights than most. He's worked absolutely tirelessly to do it. And last Friday, wasn't it? His tenure as CEO came to an end. And then on Monday morning, we invited in Chris Hubbard as the new CEO. And so this morning, I thought it would be very, very fitting if I could introduce you to Chris and Moira 
and at the same time say thank you to Trevor and Margaret. So how about you guys, would you like to come out here, stand with me, and if there's any ATC employees here, why don't you come and stand with us as well? A few of you around, that's brilliant. Great. So welcome, Chris. Welcome, Moira. Welcome to Hamilton, officially. Is Sarah around? She could come and join us if she wants to. She's out with the baby. Cool. Great to have you in Hamilton. And um, thank you. <laughs> There's not really a lot else we can say except thank you. You've done a, yeah, absolutely, you've been phenomenal. And uh, it's been a great pleasure. We do have a couple of little things here to say thank you and welcome. doing good here we go great maybe maybe you lovely assistants could keep holding them just for a moment because I want them to, to pray and hold a mic oh okay too late too late yeah did you notice Pastor Ray did you notice it was Jan that wasn't listening to me Dr Ray in this circumstance Dr Ray is that a, did you hear that he said is that unusual I'm not going to answer in public What's a photo? <laughs> Great. So what I'd like to happen, just for a couple of moments, stand on your feet again. I know you just sat down, but there's something significant sometimes in standing. And I'm going to ask Pastor Trevor to pray for Chris and more. And I'm going to ask Chris to pray for Pastor Trevor and Margaret. Is that all right? So I'm not sure which way we start. We should probably say... Thank you first, and then we can pray for you. We've been honoring and preparing one another for the last week, so it's been awkward. Um, <laughs> Father, I thank you for Trevor and for Margaret and uh, what they've achieved over the last 11 years. Everything that we do going forward from here with ATC will stand on the shoulders of the achievements that have gone before us, and we're very aware of that. And, uh, and all the team that have uh, been around Trevor and working through with me going forward. Lord, we thank you for that. And Lord, I just, I, I thank you that this is not the end, but the beginning. Uh, it's a new path, a new opportunity. We've handed over the baton, but uh, I know that for Trevor and Margaret, it's, uh, it's a challenging time, but it's a time of uh, hope and future and blessings. Uh, this thing you've Psalm 23 before, you know, yea, though we, we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we will fear no evil, for you are with us. And it goes on to say later on that our cup will overflow and blessing and mercy shall follow us all the days of our lives. And I just thank you for that blessing upon both Margaret and Trevor, Lord, as they go forth. And thank you for, for making opportunities come their way. Lord, I know they have so much more to give. And I thank you for just blessing that and making that, that pathway clear for them in Jesus' name. Amen. Father, I want... Spiritually, I would like to release Trevor of any weight that he's carrying now in Jesus' name. Father, lift it off him. And where there's been weight, Holy Spirit, anoint afresh in Jesus' name. Father, that Trevor's eyes would now see the future. They would now see opportunity. They would now see the next phase in you. Father, for any weight Margaret's been carrying around ATC as well, and for her husband, I release her of that weight in Jesus' name. Father, thank you for a 
race well run or this segment of the race well run by both Trevor and Margaret and we again we release vision we release hope prosperity an incredible sense of your grace mercy and kindness as we go forward in Jesus name if I can just minister prophetically to kick it off there is a spiritual principle of being first the natural and then the spiritual the Lord would say to you today that you have been in an environment where the natural has been expanded and grow with great growth and maturity and insight as you have led polytechnic the Lord is saying now in a sense nothing has changed but in another sense it is like fences have been removed from around you the Lord is saying my hand is upon you my anointing is upon you for you to firstly take a lead in the spiritual and as the lead in the spiritual comes as I give you insight as I give you revelation I will give you I will give you solutions that will be beyond your own comprehension and beyond that of the competition and those of the obstacles. I am the Lord. And this is my ministry. And as you take a lead in this ministry of those people who will be around you, I will give you insight into their lives and the development of their lives. Those 170-odd people will be those who will recognize you as a man of God and as a couple of God and I am with you and for Moira Moira my hand is upon you this uh, ministry is one of uh, husband and wife joined together in understanding each other's roles but having a unity in the spirit to be able to encourage and grow each other Pastor Simon, if I can get you to just come in a bit closer. And where's Alan? Alan Perry, the national principal, the giant of the faith and uh, and um, giant of the company. Uh, if you can jo- join in and, and anoint and pray. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus. Jesus, we thank you for the dream of your church <coughs> and how your church would permeate through all of the world bringing together the kingdom of God. And I, Father, I thank you now for a couple who have put their hand up, (coughs) put their hand to the plow and are using their talents to the extreme, to the extreme so that such that you will grow that. You will grow their talents and abilities. For Chris, Lord, I pray great wisdom in the name of Jesus upon him. Lord, I pray quickly he would feel and know the anointing and the right decisions, decision-making that would come to, to bring that about which you have in mind. Your dream brought into reality in Jesus' name. And Father, as even, even as I see huge growth and, and uh, greater impact throughout New Zealand and beyond, Father, I pray that that dream would uh, become part of Chris's life, that he would know that you are with him, know that he is not alone, that he would know these uh, uh, great people around him that will stand by him, and that Jesus would be glorified. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Anything else here? Thank you. 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 Th
Father, we lift the natural things this morning for Chris and Moira as well. And Father, I ask that you would bring a house to light in Jesus' name. That the, uh, it wouldn't just be a house, it would be a, a home. And Father, you know what's on their minds, you know what's on their uh, required list. I ask that that home would meet every criteria in Jesus' name. Father, I also ask that by your Spirit, from this moment forward, Hamilton would feel like home. In Jesus' name. Father, establish them quickly in every area of life. Bring great friends around them, I ask, in Jesus' name. And that they would flourish in you. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Fantastic. Amen. Very good. Why don't we give them a big hand, eh? Exciting times, eh? Very good. You think that's exciting? Dr. Ray's about to come. <laughs> it's a great privilege to have Dr. Ray Andrews with us this weekend. He's, um, he's going to be with us most of the week, actually. And um, one of the things he's doing this week is he's, he's giving uh, myself and Jan and Ray and Wendy and others warrant fitness checks just to make sure that, you know, we're not going to lead you too far astray. And uh, I'm really, really pleased that we have someone in our world like Dr. Ray who can look into our lives and make, well, I was going to say, he, he may like to make some suggestions. He may not like to, he'll make them. He's Irish. He'll, just, he'll say it. And um, it's really good. And it should give you guys confidence too. I really hope it does. That, um, you know, we're opening our lives up to someone to really scrutinize um, who we are and where we're going and to put his hand on things that he may see that may trip us up. So anyway, all that to say, it's awesome to have you here. And again, again. So welcome. Why don't we give you a big hand as you come? Have a great time. And top of the morning to you. Are we, are we able to bring the lights down a little? Oh, everything's working. In the first service this morning, we had some Irish gremlins interfere with technology, and, uh, uh, but we had some good time. Amen. Hey, it is great to be with you. Thank you, Pastor Sheridan and Jan. Thank you so much. And uh, it's great to be back in Hamilton again a couple of three years ago since I've been here. And uh, we had a great time in the first meeting uh, as the Holy Spirit came just to minister to our lives. Amen. Great back again communicating with the leadership, uh, uh, Pastor Ray and Wendy, bless you, and uh, it is an incredible privilege this morning um, with Pastor Trevor and gorgeous Margaret. She, you know what, she was up yesterday getting me some lunch. I know that probably Jen was over and uh, sneaked in and done a little bit, but she wanted to be there to serve me. She's always served me when I've been here. I've known these folks for a long time. And they're great, great friends. And I'm excited about the new season they're released into. And uh, I'm also really excited to see the progress uh, in Margaret. And as soon as she's seen me, she progressed immediately. <laughs> she just needed me to visit. Amen. 
Yes, bless you. Great to have you here. David says, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Why was he so excited about that? You know, the thing is, goodness and mercy needs to follow me because I stuff that much up. <laughs> goodness and mercy just goes behind to clean up my mess. Isn't that a blessing? I want to pray. Let's talk to Father for a moment before we start. Heavenly Father, it's such a joy this morning to be in this great place, in a place where your people have gathered to worship, to praise you, and to glorify your name. Thank you for the great sense of your presence, and for the people that are here, Lord, that really have such a calling on their lives to do such things for God. Father, this morning, I just pray that your Holy Spirit will bring the liberty and the freedom that we need, and that you will deposit it, whatever it is that every individual needs, because as our face is different, so do our needs, and we pray that you would just meet each person at the point of their need. Father, I am so conscious this morning that I can say what I know, but your Holy Spirit can cause me to say things I don't know. And we pray that your Holy Spirit now will just take charge of whatever it is that needs to be said in his name, we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, uh, one of my CDs that I have on, on my, resource, my resources is called The Greatest Struggle in the Christian Life is the Struggle Not to Struggle. <laughs> it's the struggle not to struggle uh, because people struggle. Uh, one uh, young man, lovely young man, came out uh, in, in a meeting with, I guess, others there, but I, I, I uh, was, went down to, to pray with him, and uh, he, he's got his pose right, you know. Obviously, he's been in a few meetings when you know what to do. He's got his hands together, his eyes closed, and he's bowed his head. And I said to him, I said, would you mind if you just lifted up your head, open your eyes, and look at me? We're not here for a hit. I'd like you to just look at me. I said, what do you want? He said, I need prayer because the Christian life is way too hard. It's too difficult. And I said to him, no, 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 no. The Christian life is not hard. The Christian life is not difficult. The Christian life is impossible. God has so designed the Christian life, you can't live it without him. Every other religion you can live without an outside source, and you can live it from your head. You can't live from intelligence, understanding, cognitively. You can't live the Christian life. It has to be lived. There has to be inward motivation. And if there's no inward motivation, there will be no real external motivation. Amen. Now, I'm going to talk this morning in uh, some simplicity, and uh, we now have Joyce has got this thing together, uh, and, and uh, I know that Kat was a bit distressed in the earlier session because things were not going so good with the whole technology system, but it was okay. Once we got rid of the Irish gremlins, we were right. And, uh, and now I'm sure that we have got everything going on, but I want to talk about a very, very simple, one of the simplest parts of the New Testament, I want to keep it simple this morning, 
And I believe that, that it, the Christian life starts simple. It should always be simple, and it should finish up simple. I had a friend of mine, a great pastor in the U.S., really great friend. We've done a lot together over the years. And uh, he, he was on the golf course one day, and uh, he was telling me, and he, he just hit this ball. He said it was the best shot he's ever hit. He went straight down the fairway, which they mostly didn't do. And then the next thing, his whole world went fuzzy. He fell over on the, he fell over on the, the tee, and the next thing he knew, he woke up, and he had tubes sticking out of him everywhere. He had a massive heart attack on the tee. And he was telling me, he said, you know, the experience that I had at that moment was unbelievable. He said, as I was lying there, he said, I felt like a pregnant woman about to give birth to a baby, that, that, the, that, that it was just like pushing against the wall to break the water. And he said, I could feel myself just about to break through, and I could feel myself pushing against the wall, and it was like I was breaking into a brand new life. And he said, as that was taking place, I was thinking of my church. He had a great church. I've been with him a number of times. He said, a great church. He said, 4,000 people in the church. And as I was lying there, he said, I, I was thinking about the church, and I was thinking about the programs, and I was thinking about all the things that we did and everything that was going on in the church, and I was thinking about the church. And he said, do you know, Ray, he said, at that moment, he said, all of those things became meaningless. He said, because I knew that none of them were going to do the trip with me. That at that moment, the only person that would do the trip to the other side would be Jesus. And may I drop to you a little thought this morning of this. If some of the things that we do are not meaningful at death, how come we give so much meaning to them when we're alive? What am I giving meaning to? What is most meaningful to you? I want to keep it simple. And, and I was mentioning this morning that I was doing so good in my Christian life until I learned theology. Now, I am not saying something's wrong with theology. Of course not. Nor am I saying nothing, something is wrong with education or intelligence. I'm not saying that. Jesus was not putting a premium on ignorance. But let me tell you something this morning. We can move so easily away because in the original, theology was union with God. But now we have made it an academic principle. And now it's so easy to get into theology. And we can get theology. Now, theology in the right place is really great, important, helpful for ministry, helpful for our gifting, helpful in so many places. I'm not knocking theology, but what I am saying is, I travel around the world, I go to all kinds of places, I teach in seminaries, <clears throat> I teach in Bible schools, I teach all over the place. I have seen people who really theologically have got it so together, and they are dead. There is no life. One of the greatest traps for me, and I can know that it can be for other people, and that is that we can get an enormous lot of understanding up here and lack a lot of understanding down in here. I want the understanding to be down deep inside of me 
and I can understand that. So the principle this morning is that Jesus taught something I don't want to lose in my way, even by gaining all the things that I've gained and not losing this, so that this becomes always from the time I came in to the time I continue until I go out of this life, that this will be my primary purpose. This is what I will do. This is what I will maintain, and this will be my lifestyle, and I want to help you to do the same thing. You probably are, but anyhow, I'm glad you're here this morning because I hate talking to myself. <laughs> Mind you, I do a bit of that too. It's just a mileage. Now, let's see, have we got the verse, Joyce? Are we right? We are right. Yes. Bless you. So far. We started out this morning very good, and a bit like some people in the Christian life, they start well and don't do so good to finish. Now, it says this, live in me. Just live in me. The Christian life is so incredibly simple. And Jesus said, live in me, make your home in me as I make my home in you. One of the things that amazes me in church life, and I sit in so many denominations traveling around the world, and I hear people talking constantly about change. We've got to change. This is a meeting we're going to change. We're all going to change. Then I stand at the door on the way out to have a look at them. How did you change? What did it look like? Were you nicer than when you came in? If you were, then you'd have been better to have stayed all day. Change. Let me tell you something. God is more comfortable living in me than I am living in him. I keep looking for adjustments. I keep looking for him to do something about me. Now, I might say something this morning that you don't agree with. That's okay. It won't change what I believe. No. But you can throw it in the waste basket. It doesn't matter. But as important as that we do challenge it. But let me tell you something. We are not getting better. We are not improving. Are there anybody in the meeting close to my age? <laughs> they were in the early service. <laughs> oh, Jesus bless them people. Is there anybody half my age? Oh, don't you put your hand up now. You're not half my age. Brother, how can you? Lance, did you say you belong to Vision Bible School? <laughs> Are you coming this week? Oh, <laughs> no, I can see now right away there's a problem. <clears throat> if you have been on the journey for any length of time, one of the things that you're going to find out that it bugs you that you can still do the same thing today as you did when you started. Does that not bug you? I'm supposed to be better. I'm supposed to be more improved. I am now mature. I'm only mature in the mirror. I am not getting better. I am not improving. 
God's method was never to make me better. God's method was never to improve me. God's method was to replace me. John the Baptist says, I'm getting out because he's coming in. The revelation of this end time is not ray in ray. Colossians 1.27, the revelation of this end time is Christ in me, the hope of glory. Christ in me is the only hope of God ever getting any glory out of me. God is not getting glory out of me because of my degrees, because of my education, because of my biblical understanding, because of my Irish, which is so wonderful, oh, yeah. and not because of my Irish culture, not because of my good works, not because of my righteousness. God's getting glory out of me because of the indwelling presence of Jesus Christ. That's it. Amen. I don't have a chance to get up here and boast to you people that you should be like me. You used to be where I am. And if you can live long enough and old enough and be like me, then you'll be wonderful. Now you're disappointed you came. <clears throat> Brother, I wanted strategies and tools to become more mature. Hey, Philippians says this. To be mature is Christ. Simply Christ, nothing more and nothing less. Amen. Because finally, he gets all the glory. God's not taking the glory. I'm not getting the glory. God will not give it to another, and we're going to look at that in a little bit. And so therefore, this morning, he says, in the same way that a branch can't bear grace by itself, but only by, by enjoying to the vine, you can't. You can't, you can't, you can't, you can't, you can't. You can't. You can try, you can try, you can try, but you can't. You can't. Oh, have I ever tried? Yes, I have tried. My past theology sure made sure of that. Unless you're joined to me, I, I, have, made a, I have made a big capital here. I am the vine. Jesus makes a declaration to settle it. We had a wonderful uh, meeting this morning, beautiful meeting, and baptisms and so on. It really brings back, I remember I got baptized in the Trent River in England, and, and it just brings back some of the excitement of the time that you first find Christ and you first know the revelation of dying and going in the ground and coming up with that new life and Holy Spirit taking hold and so on. Amen? You know, the thing is, he says, but I am the vice. Settle it. It's settled. He says, I am not you. The Christian life does not depend on you. The Christian life is not my responsibility. Oh, did I ever think it was? In my more educated days, I really believed that I could do all these different things and be able to do all these different things. Absolutely. But let me tell you something. He reminds me and he tells me simply in one of the most profound verses, he said, I am the vine. Settle it. You will never be the vine. I have been really privileged over life, privileged in a natural sense in the world, I have been promoted to a lot of different positions. I have got a lot of things that's happened to me. But you know something? I will never be promoted to being the vine. It's his exclusive right. And only he can be the vine. The Christian life is so simple if I can get it right, if I can get the order right. He says, I am the vine and you're a branch. I am never going to be promoted from a branch to being the vine or being so much better than somebody else. My gifting in ministry does not qualify me to be greater than anybody else's gifting. 
The fact is, I is a necessity for me to constantly be resourced from the vine. I need to be sure that I get plugged in to him. I'm just a little branch, just a tiny little branch abiding in the vine. Amen. Same as you, we're all plugged into the same thing. That's just right. When you're joined to me and I'm enjoined to you, then the relationship is organic and intimate. And the harvest is automatic. Kills the performance, kills the works, kills the trying, kills the struggle, kills the lot. It is automatic. The Christian life is automatic. Amen. Living out of his life is automatic. Is that good? Because without me, you thought you could, but you can't. Hallelujah. Well, I would like to think I could. Well, you can't. Isn't that good? I just settle it. It's so good to settle it. Jesus died on the cross, and he said, it's paid in full. Amen. There's nothing more that I can do because Jesus paid it all. Isn't that true? All right. Now, next one. Oh, yes. I'll tell you what, Kat was so relieved when Joyce came. She said, oh, he's the expert. He's the expert. And so she rolled the whole thing back on him. Now, here we are with a little, I was working on this yesterday and sending back to my wife and saying, could you please, because she's read the publishing thing and I'm not, and I'm trying to tweak it on the computer and I'm trying to get the thing together and she's sending me back pictures and she said, is this what you want? And then I'm writing back to her because there's things that I don't know about how to do that. And so she did, and all I did was try to put the text in. And we have finally got the thing together like this. And here's what we're talking about this morning in simplicity. And, the, and here now... One time, I was just like a little planet of vase. I was trying to live while I died. Then God came and grafted me into the vine. He translated me from the powers of darkness into the kingdom of your own dear son. One of the most important things this morning is recognizing that he has come and picked us up, not when we were looking for it, not when we expected it. But you know what? I grew up in a very abusive home. I grew up with a cruel father who beat us unmercifully on the farm. And it was not nice. And I grew very hard, very bitter, and I just wanted to kill him. And so I got out into life. I wanted to live life. I wanted to find life. I wanted to get out of that horrible situation and out of that environment and find life. So there's three things that excited me. And number one, I, I enjoyed, I loved soccer, and I, I loved playing it, and I loved watching it, and I loved soccer. I loved motorbikes, fixing them, riding them, and all kinds of things. And, and, and I loved girls. I don't know whether that order's right or not. Maybe I took the girl on the motorbike to the soccer. Something to try and fill, give me some satisfaction, make me feel somewhat better. And I was going one day on my way to a soccer match. And as I'm going on my way to a soccer match, minding my own business, and, I'm, and the Holy Spirit comes, and here I am trying to live while I died. And then the Holy Spirit comes, and the Holy Spirit intercepts my life. He came totally uninvited. I wasn't looking for him. I wasn't after him. I didn't want him. But he set his love on me, and he wanted me. And I fell hopelessly in love with Jesus. I had a vision, a revelation then, what I know now, 
some kind of a vision and a revelation of the cross. I saw Jesus dying for me. I saw the love that he was, had poured out to me. I could feel all the hard, hard surface of things breaking away. I could feel the melting going on inside. I wouldn't cry after five years of age. I think I did once when my father uh, uh, hit me on a public, uh, in a public transport when I was about 10. But outside of that, I never would cry because I wouldn't give my father the satisfaction of, of uh, seeing me cry. I was so hard. And that day, I broke down all the, all the Holy Spirit, broke down all the barriers, and I could feel myself starting to cry. And I cried, 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 and I cried. First time in my life, like a dam opening up, and I cried because God had set his love on me, and he planted faith in me, and he started something I knew nothing about. And for the first six years of my life, I lived in a honeymoon with the Lord. My Christian life was so good. Nobody told me I had to read the Bible. Nobody told me to pray. Nobody told me I couldn't fornicate now. Nobody told me any of that. I just fell in love with Jesus, and all I wanted, I did not want anything that would complicate that life, anything that would complicate that relationship. I didn't be told the rules, and yet I took uh, somebody along the way, gave me an old Bible, which I carried around the world with me because it's so meaningful, and I soaked myself in the Word. I just... Jeremiah says, he said, he, he ate the word and he enjoyed it. I just ate it. I consumed it. I was in an old farm loft wrapped in, in blankets because we had no electricity up there. And so there's no power, just an old lamp. And I would be up there at 2 o'clock in the morning in that old farm loft just waiting on God. And I didn't know any of these things. All I knew is I was in love with somebody. And it was so good until I learned theology. And then I learned rules, that I should not be doing that. And I could not believe how many rules were being left out. And I thought, but I did all that without knowing there were rules. You know, sometimes we can take so many rules and get people caught up in the rules and, and the regulations instead of the relationship. The thing that's as important is, is having a relationship. He just picked me up, and he took me from here. Let me tell you something. He started the thing, and it's his responsibility to finish it. Amen. People say to me, well, brother, you've got to finish well. We need to finish well. How do you finish well? You finish well the way you started. You don't finish well because you've learned all these. You know what? If we, could, if we were that good at learning lessons, we would have got it right by now. I picked up a book in your office. So we won't be mentioning any office. I was reading it, and I was looking at it, and I was thinking, you know, here's something. I know that prevention's better than cure, but you know what I find out in my profession and in working with through the Christian church? Nobody's learned from anything. You can, read, you can write all the books you like on prevention, but people still have to learn a lot of their own lessons. Oh, I love this morning. I just love this morning. Because my message is about restoration. My message is redeeming. My message, you know, Jesus came to put our lives back together again because we had stuffed it up. And I love that song. I was up in Birmingham only recently in England. And they started to sing that song. I'd never heard it before. 
and, and the Holy Spirit just took it, and I felt like I was in heaven. I was singing it. It was so theologically sitting with me. It was so good with me that I am covered, that I am covered, that I am covered by His grace. No matter where I've been, no matter where I've done, He has removed my shame. He has removed my guilt, and I am free. I am free from the fears of tomorrow, and I'm free from the guilt of my past. I've traded my shackles for a glorious song. And I'm free, praise the Lord, free at last. Am I shouting too much? Are you all right? Somebody said to me in the earlier service, they said, well, at least one good thing about your message, I stayed awake. I'll let you know their name later. Do you see, do you know what? Just enjoying Jesus. He started it. And what he did is he took it and he took me and he joined me, he grafted me, he put me into the vine and I'm eternally secure in the vine. He has put me into the vine. He took me out of the powers of darkness. He didn't take me from a kingdom of darkness because a kingdom has not got darkness. The kingdom does not have choice. He takes me out of the powers of darkness, Peter said, and he translated me or transferred me into the kingdom of choice, the kingdom of his own dear son, the kingdom of light and liberty, the kingdom of everything that I need. And this morning, I live in an environment of the kingdom of God. I live in an environment of forgiveness. I live in an environment of repentance. I live in an environment of cleansing. I live in an environment now of everything that I need. Peter says he has given unto us every, every, everything that pertains to life and godliness. Your Christian life does not depend on the devil. It does not depend on God because Jesus paid it all. When Jesus died on the cross, he did not say to be continued. He said it was finished. It's all mine. And it has to do with my choice. When I was under the power of Satan, I thought I had choice, but I did not have choice. I just sinned like everybody else sinned, and so I did my own thing. But now I've been delivered from the power of darkness. I have been set free from the power of darkness. And let me tell you something this morning, and you may not, you may not agree with me, and I don't want to be stepping on your toes, but just dismiss it and throw it out if it doesn't suit you. But I have a real problem with people in spiritual warfare. I have so many people coming to me that's gone through all kinds of things, fighting and battling and spiritual warfare and beating up the devil and, and, and they're hard on the devil and they blame the devil and they blame the devil for circumstances and they blame the devil for what happened and they blame the devil because it's easier to blame the devil than yourself. And then they start doing this, the, 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 the warfare and all the stuff in the, and is there a price for it? Well, I don't know, maybe. But the point is, we don't, fight a battle that Jesus has already won. Calvary has settled it. Calvary has settled it. Jesus is the victor. We are not going to win. We have won. Amen. Now, you can say to me this morning, well, brother, what are you talking about? The Bible talks about resisting the devil. Well, I don't resist the devil. You say, well, but I know that James says we should. Well, then I do. But I don't. Brother, 
Could you stop being so Irish about this? Do you or don't you? Well, I don't, but I do. Hallelujah. I don't, and I do, but here's how it works. James does not say, just resist the devil. James says, submit yourself to God and resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. The greater includes the lesser. As I submit myself to God, as I give myself to God, as I abide in Christ, I automatically will be resisting the devil. So my focus is Jesus, and it's not the devil. One of the primary, one of the primary meanings of worship is to give attention to. The devil's always wanted to be worshipped, and all he needs to do for me is to give him some attention. Well, you start spiritual warfare, and you start giving him attention, and then you're worshiping him, not realizing it. Let me tell you, submit yourself to God. Jesus mentions nothing about this. He just said, your successful, fruitful, abundant life will not be in fighting the devil. It'll not be against your circumstances. It'll not be what's going on in life. Your successful life will be when you abide in me. Oh, hallelujah. I don't know about you, but I'm enjoying this. No? Yes? You, you don't. Oh, you are right there. I just didn't know it was too profound. I was closing you up. Profound in a very simple way, isn't it? And so now, I've got to get, get, keep moving because I could just keep going too long. But now, I have choice. There's a little door of choice. In my old past theology, if you swore, then you got cut off from God. Then you had to get repentance and come back. And if you did anything that was wrong, you got cut off from God. Do you know something? We're not cut off from God. I know that this little diagram is really not good for talking about a vine because a vine is so intertwined and it is so twisted up and so all together, it's just about impossible to cut it off. You try getting yourself away from God. I'll tell you what, you will never do it. He'll track you wherever you go. Amen. Because you have been taken and you're grafted in. Amen. God has put us in the vine. Amen. And now I have a door of choice. I make a choice. Subjects in a kingdom have to have choice. God will not violate my choice. And we all have choice. You this morning... You came up, and I don't know how you get out of bed this morning. Some people think I get out of bed, and I'm all excited, and I'm anointed, and I'm powerized, and I love the day, and I never have a mood, and I don't feel bad about anything, and I'm an emotionally together person and so balanced. That's why I come and help all these people that are so imbalanced. No, I do not. I do not. Some days I pull out of bed, and I feel good, and some days I pull out of bed, and I feel crap. I just feel different things. I, I, I actually live in a human body. But you know what? I know this principle. Somehow, beginning of my day, we can get out of bed, we can say, good morning, Lord. Or some people say, good Lord, morning. This is the day that the Lord has made my choice. I will rejoice and be glad. Or I can say simply, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will be miserable and sad. The color of your day does not depend on God. And it does not depend on the devil. 
It does not depend on your circumstances. It does not depend on what's taking place. And I've been long enough alive to know. And boy, there's a lot of stories I'd like to tell you, but I have only a limited time. But things that's happened to me, but I know this, it is, as Epictetus, a philosopher, said, it is never what happens to us in life that matters. It's how we view the things that happen to us that matters. I view it through this filter. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Heart purity is seeing God in everything. And as I see God in it, then this is the day that he is made. I will rejoice. I determine. You determine your own environment. Don't blame the pastor. Don't blame your wife. It doesn't work because I've tried it. And she's smart enough not to buy into it. She knows me, knows what I'm like. I've been married to her this year for 48 years. Yeah, okay. A couple of life sentences. <laughs> yes, I, I will knock that part off the record. She still wants to talk to me every day. Where I am doing, how it's going, how's life, and tell me all the things that's happening at home. So that's the greatest thing today about Skype, isn't it? Of being able to sit down so I can finish in the day and have a little chat to her and make sure it's right. And if I don't call her, she calls me to find out why I haven't called her. I said, honey, all I've been doing is just sitting around waiting for you to call me. I've been doing nothing else. But now, what we have here is making a choice. It's easy by choice, except the soul wants to fight choice because my mind, will, and emotions, which is my soul, wants to go off in its own way. It's connected to the newspaper. It's connected to the, to the TV news. It's connected to negative stuff. It's connected to the problems. It's connected to the circumstances. My soul's connected to it. But I'll tell you something, my spirit is connected to God. And I need to bring my soul into line with the Spirit of God. Uh, can we just flip down to, uh, will this be all right to go down and move from here? <laughs> oh, isn't that good? My goodness, this is wonderful. If I keep preaching more today, more sessions will be really on top of the world. David realizes this in Psalm 113. He knows what our soul's like. David can be really moody, and you know that. And in fact, I'll tell you what. If you've ever been in a bad mood, David has a psalm for every mood you've ever been in. He really does. And here he is, and he knows, like a wild young stallion, his soul's ready to take off. And I want to talk a little more to youth than, uh, primarily and talk about some miracle things about from the soul to the spirit, the journey from the soul to the spirit. But the soul wants to take off. My mind wants to tell me something contrary to what the truth says. My will, I'm fairly strong-willed. My emotions. <laughs> oh, they, does your emotions go anywhere? Do they try to take you anywhere? I'm telling you, you let your emotions go, and that's a hell of a ride. Man, that's bad. Anybody here emotionally on that ride? Have you ever been on that ride? Come on, you can be honest, for goodness sake. 
<laughs> You're wasting your time fooling me. And David knows it, and David knows it's taking him away from the presence, and David knows it's taking him away from the truth, and David knows it's taking away from what God said, and David says he speaks to his soul because he's closed the door, and he speaks to his soul, and he said, come on, come on, come on, soul. You know what? Sometimes I have to speak to my soul that's racing off like a wild young stallion. I have to say, come on, return, O my soul, to your place of rest. Oh, hallelujah. Return, oh my soul. You're getting all wound up and you're not doing your good mental health and you're not doing good emotional health and you're going to become a basket case. And that's all right because I can make money out of those people. But do you know the bigger, the, the important thing is, David knows it and he says, return, oh my soul, to the place of rest. Do you know something in the people of God Matthew 11, 28, it says this. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light, and you will find rest for your soul. There's a rest given, but there's a rest to be found. The children of Israel were promised a rest, and they never found it. And that's why today we've just made that statement. That's why today there's a lot of people, I've been there, done that, all that stuff. That's why I know all this. It's so easy to move away from the rest. It's there the whole time and I never found it. I'm going to heaven, but it's a hell of a trip. Do you see, the important thing is, is living out of your rest. You will never live out of rest by living cognitively, by living according to what you want and your will or allowing your emotions to dictate the terms. I have to speak to my soul, my mind, will, and the emotions. Say, get back! Get back! Get back! Get back! That's a good exercise. When you get up and you don't like it, and you know what? It really does an incredible favor for your spouse. Because if you don't get it right, and you... Oh, we'll go back to the, to the thing. Thank you. Can we go back still? Yeah, yes. Hallelujah. I'm so thrilled. Such a great morning, yes? And now I realize that I can close the door. And here is what happens when you close the door. And how do you do that? You close the door through two things. You close the door through unbelief and pride. I don't know if God can do this. I'm not sure if God's on the job. I'm not sure if God's really meeting me. I'm not sure that if God hasn't left me to myself. I'm not sure if God can do it. Do you know something this morning? I belong to a heavenly corporation. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, unlimited. If there's one thing I know about God, He is unlimited. But if there's one thing I know about God, He's limited. Now he's gone all Irish again. How do you limit the unlimited God? And the Bible says in Psalm 78, it says, And they limited him in the wilderness by their believing. They did not believe that God could bring him out and take him in. Brother, the sister this morning, God didn't bring you out to bring you out. He brought you out to take you in. Well, say amen something. 
They couldn't believe it. And they closed the door. And they wandered and wandered and wandered. You know what? If I don't live from his abiding presence, I just wander through life. Rudderless, directionless, and allow my mind, will, and emotions to dictate what I do and where I go. I need to bring my mind, will, and emotions under the control of the Holy Spirit. Amen? I can close it, and I close it through unbelief. Oh, we could go on and teach a lot more here, but I've got to move quickly. And now, the second thing is pride. It's so easy to get pride. I can do this now. I have all these experiences now. I'm going to tell you a, a, a little story I'm going to indulge. Is that all right? little story. I was in Malaysia. I was speaking at a pastor's and wives' dinner in Malaysia, down in Kuala Lumpur. And it was a beautiful big place. A lot of pastors from over the city. And uh, when I, they, they were all seated. When I came in, they brought me through a side door. I walked in, and I couldn't believe it. Right across this whole podium, big long one like, right across, big letters this big, and, and, and this thick here, and right across in lovely color, it had up there, the Reverend Dr. Ray Andrews. Could you bring the spotlights a little more up? <laughs> oh, you're, you're, you're paying me back and the games are starting. Now, we had dinner. I get up to preach. And when I get up to preach... I, know, I heard this rustling noise, and then I saw people looking past me. So I turned around to have a look, and the letters were falling off the wall. And you know what? I, 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 I know that you as a speaker, you can do this, but I, I, I do this a lot, maybe in my Irish mind. I can do two or three things at the same time. I'm talking to the people, and I'm having a conversation this way, and I'm having one this way. Because God speaks to me and he says, did you see that? That's the letters falling off the wall. Did you see that? I said, I did, I did. I didn't say to be sure, to be sure. I said, I did. He said, if you ever put your head in those letters, you can come down just as fast as them. Oh, man. That's really nice when you're trying to preach to other people. But I got the message. You know what? Anytime I think I'll just stick up my pride, close the door, and get proud of what I can do or the degrees that I have or the places that I go and the international speaker that I am and the Mr. Dr. Reverend or whatever he might be, I can see them letters on the wall coming down. It's a good reminder for me. Pride closes the door. And here's the thing. Pride is man's glory that threatens the glory of God. And God will never give his glory to another. And I am another. Therefore, I'm a threat to the glory of God. The revelation of this end time is not Ray and Ray. The revelation of this end time is Colossians 1.27. Christ in me, the hope of glory. And Christ in me is the only hope of God ever getting glory out of me. Hallelujah. Only Christ in me. It's all coming back to Jesus as he's been glorified. I've been blessed and favored in so many areas of life. And you know what? It's only because of the grace of God. It's totally the grace of God. It's not Mr. Wonderful Me. There's only one man that's wonderful. There's a few wonderful women, but there's only one man that's wonderful. And Isaiah said his name's Jesus. Amen. Isn't that true? And so now I can, I can now close the door. But now when I close the door, then 
There's no more fruit bearing, and here's the problem. And you should see people that I'm counseling, working with, and struggling with, and really, it is as simple as opening the door. I just need to give them perhaps tools and strategies to open the door. But they struggle, they fight with all kinds of coping mechanisms, all kinds of things going on. But the soul, when you close the door, you move into your mind, will, and emotions, and whatever you're like in your personality, that's what you're going to be like in your personality. You can get the biggest problem. You know what? It is actually better at that point not to be a Christian than to be a Christian. Because when you're not a Christian, you have never learned to drink from the springs of living water. You've never known what it's like to be refreshed and fed and be in touch with eternity. You've never known what that's like. But I tell you what, you close the door to his life. And you know why we live exactly like non-Christian people. And the problem is we're empty. Pascal, the scientist and philosopher, said there's a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of every man and woman and it will never be filled by any created thing but only by the Creator made known to us in Jesus Christ. And I'll tell you, you close the door and the vacuum comes. And when the vacuum comes, we become demanding. We become needy people. We look to our spouse to meet our need. We look to our education to meet our need. We look to money to meet our need. We look to things to meet our need. And since they can't fill the vacuum, I get angry and I try to control others and I try to control my environment and I control my situation. And I tell you this, I am not a nice person if I close the door. That's why I want to stay abiding. I'm a lot nicer to live with. I am. I was telling them in the earlier meeting, I have had some women tell me that it must be so wonderful to live with me. One, one older lady, she came to Kath, and she said, no wonder you're so happy being married to Ray. And Kath was trying to tell, I said, Kath, leave her alone. Just, <laughs> I said, just leave her alone. Let her go for a little bit. <laughs> she said, oh, but Kathy's so wonderful. The problem is, when you have a wife and kids, they have a great way of keeping your feet on the ground. <laughs> They'll bring you back to earth fast. Do you know the thing is, I tell people, if they say to me, well, they must, oh, man, I, I can't believe it. You know, somebody fired up in the spirit, they're anointed, and they're doing all those things. Do you know what? I just sit and bring my wife. She'll tell me exactly what I'm like to live with. And you know what? For her, for her life, for my kids, the more that I keep that door open, because listen, that door, remember this, if you're making a note, that door's a moment by moment. You can't be in the flesh and the spirit at the same time. But here's wonderful, one of the wonderful things. You can be in the flesh this moment and be back in the spirit the next moment. It's a moment by moment abiding. It's not a day by day, week by week. It's a moment by moment abiding. Praise God. And you know what the secret is? We're not trying to get some formula into abiding. I don't want to get a formula going about abiding. I just want to abide longer. Amen. That I, I recognize this that for my family and for my wife and for the people that I work with, the most important thing, and especially when I'm at airports and all the stuff that goes on at airports, I'll tell you, you can stop abiding quick. And in my natural mind, because you know why, I know that I could do a far better job than half of them behind the counter. Behind the counter. Just let me in, I'll fix the thing out. But abiding is saying, amen. Amen. I'm not in control of the circumstances, but I'm in control of my emotions. 
I am in control when I take the control to the Holy Spirit. And so now I, I, I need to see it a, a moment by moment because then when I, get a, when I close the door, I can get empty, cranky, irritable, controlling. I want my own way. I want to do my own thing. And, and you know what you would be like if it wasn't for Christ living through you. Do you not? Do you see why you're not getting any better? Because your soul will always be your soul. You didn't have a new personality when you got saved. And so therefore, my personality will be the same with its strengths and its weaknesses. I'll always be the same. But the key is that I bring those things under the control of the Holy Spirit. Do you see that? And now, we're going to talk a little story, and then I'm going to shut up. There's two ways of opening the door, moment by moment. There's two ways. One of them is humility. Now remember, humility is not saying, I am nothing. Humility is saying, I have nothing. Amen. And so I, I humble myself. Father, I have nothing in me. Nothing in my hand I bring, simply to your cross I cling. I have nothing in me that's good. I have nothing in ability in me. I'm not able to do it, but you do. And then I rise up in faith. And listen to this. The expression of faith is thanksgiving. The expression of faith is thanksgiving. Gratitude will open the door. I humble myself knowing I can't do it. I begin praising God even if I don't feel like it. And gratitude will open the door. And then the door opens. And when the door opens... His life flows through me, and I've got everything that I need. I have all the fruit, all the gifts, anything I need, I'm available through the life and the power of the Holy Spirit. Do you see that? One little story, and I, I better get out of here. Are you doing all right? Good, good, good. I won't be back for a while. Let me give you a little example. I am not a patient person. In my soul, I am not a patient person. I don't know what you're like in your soul, but just not to tell you any more about myself is not good. But I'm just not patient. And one day, I am on my way down south to preach, just farther down south. And I'm going to preach early in the morning. Sunday, I was leaving early to go down to this church to preach. And as I'm going down, it, it, it winds all the way through a beautiful Lambaca Valley, all the way down to where I'm going. But it's a really bad road. Well, they have put another bypass road there in some places. Now... But I'm passing along this road, and I hit down into the 60-kilometer zone. And then it goes like that for a long way down that road. And as I just hit the 60, which I don't like really, but it's there, and the police are there generally, or there's cameras there, or something's there to stop my progress. And right in front of me is this old farmer hat down over his ears, 40 kilometers an hour. <laughs> I know you probably wouldn't have done what I did, but I'm going to tell you what I did. He's sitting there, and he's looking. It's a beautiful place. He's looking at the water. He's looking at the hills. And I'm all right for about five minutes. I can feel something generating and it isn't Holy Ghost. Goodness sake, I've got to go and preach. So I drove right up close to him to influence him, you understand. And I stayed, but no, no, no. 
And then this is where sanity and insanity break up. His windows are up and so are mine, but now I begin a dialogue with him. So I won't tell you all the things that I said because you don't need to know them all. But I said to him after a bit, why don't you look in your mirrors? Why do you have mirrors? And I go on with a whole education lesson to somebody that's not listening. And in the end, I lost it. I wanted to push him clean into the drink. And I screamed at him. And I said, if you want to look at the countryside, why don't you buy yourself a bicycle? And God spoke to me. And he said, look at yourself. Well, my goodness, looking at myself is not a good thing. But you know what? In my past theological days, I'd have pulled off the road, sat at the side of the road, did seven steps to repentance, get myself right, get myself sorted out, so that by the time I got to the meeting, people would start singing to Ray be the glory, great things he has done. Or I'd have actually felt totally disqualified and gone home. But you know what I did? I started to laugh. And I laughed, and I laughed, and I laughed, and I laughed. I saw the irony of the thing. I am going to preach an abiding in Christ, and I want to put the guy in the drink. And at that moment, at that moment, I had truth. At that moment, I had truth. Let me say something to you this morning. If you, ha if you never have truth with yourself, you'll never find freedom. You have to admit where you are before you leave where you are. If you don't own it, you'll never disown it. And I had truth. And I said, Father, I am out of patience. I am out, out, out. I'm out, you understand. I said, Father, I want you now to prove the message that I preach to me about abiding in Christ. I want you to prove that I am not patient that I am not long-suffering, I am not loving, I am not any of the things that I once was told I should be, I am none of those things, I have nothing, and I'm out of patience at this moment, I'm out, out. Now, prove the message that I teach, that Jesus is everything that I am not, and there's so much that I am not. Do you know something? When you have truth, freedom comes, and with that, truth comes grace, and God pours into my life and into my car. Do you know what? It was the most unbelievable, sensational experience. I know what peace is like in the inside, but peace in my car. I thought that I'd be out. Uh, I could grab it. I could touch it. I could bottle it. I could take it with me. I had luxury. I just, I mean, the, the circumstances have not changed at all. The guy's still viewing the countryside. My circumstances haven't changed, but my environment inside has changed. And now my external environment remains the same while God comes and meets me in my internal environment. Listen, your entire internal environment is way more healthy than your external environment if you get it in the Lord. Is this making sense to you at all? You would never have done this, would you? Michael, I luxuriated. I sat back in a bubble. I sat back luxuriating like a bath of peace. I pulled back. Nothing had changed, but I had. And I pulled back, because you know why 
I had got mad, thought I was better than the guy in the front of me, and that I was wonderful, and that I should get to the meeting because they'd be waiting for me because the meeting couldn't go today if I'm not here. And I closed the door. As soon as I closed the door, all my patience is gone. I have none. I start to be barren. I opened the door when I had truth. And as the door opened, his life flowed through me, and I had everything that I needed. I had all the fruit that I was needed. I had everything that I needed. And when I arrived at the church, I was so electrified. I was so on fire. I, they were singing when I got there. And, and I tell you, I wanted them to sit down and let me on that platform. I have so much to say. And I'm so fired up. I tell you, my message that I was going to preach changed between that car ride and the time I got to church. And I get up there and I just went for it like a rocket. I was so, you know, I'm very quiet this morning comparably. It's not about Ray. It's not about me coming telling you how wonderful I am and if you can take some of these tools that I would do. See, I can transfer something very quickly from being a professional to knowing that finally Jesus is the only answer. Everything must come from him. I want to guide people through their issues. I want to guide people through good health. I want to guide people through how to work with things. I want to guide people how to be a balanced lifestyle. But let me tell you something. You and I have nothing without him. We started, he was the author. He started this thing, and it's his responsibility to finish it. All I have to do is tune in moment by moment to bring my mind, will, and emotions under the control of the Holy Spirit, and I will be a very fruitful Christian, open to any gift that God wants to flow through me. Have you enjoyed that this morning? Are you glad you came? I'm glad you came. I'm going to go home happy and excited. And I hope this morning the Holy Spirit deposited something in you to bring your Christian life in line with what the Holy Spirit wants to do with you in the midst of a very chaotic, troublesome, difficult world. Amen? Thank you, Pastor. God bless you. Thank you very much. Helpful? Very good. We're going to do two things as we finish this morning. The first is we're going to receive an offering that we can bless Pastor Ray with as he uh, goes on his way after this week. Thank you so much, Ray. Ray speaking at six tonight, so I encourage you to come out and be part of that. It'll be very good. The other thing as we finish is Hannah Goodwin is going overseas. She's going on an OE to Glasgow, eh? That's the starting place. We're going to really miss Hannah. She is the she is the um, talent, incredible talent that does all the graphics everywhere for us. And we will, we're going to try and do this remote thing with her. It'll be interesting. I'll see if it works, eh? But we're going to give it a crack. But we pray in God's absolute best for you that you have a fantastic time over there. And can I encourage, do you want to stand up? And how about if you're sitting around Hannah, you pray for her, eh? Pray for God's protection. Pray that the trip goes really well. You stand up now. People can stand around you. That a trip goes really well, that she has an fantastic time and that we see you back safely soon that would be good and Father I thank you for today I thank you that it is all about abiding in you I thank you that you are unchanging and Father I ask for an awareness for each of us to stay plugged in to stay connected to you in Jesus name And Father as we go into our week this week wherever we are whenever we are I ask that you would help us to be like Jesus 
wherever we find ourselves. Let your peace rest on your church, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for coming out today. Have a fantastic afternoon. See you at 6 p.m.